weeping where he had led in sorrow she turns from the empty tomb hear a voice speaking calling her name it's the master the lord raised to life again the voice that spends the years speaking life stirring hope bringing peace to us will sound till he appears for he lives christ is risen from the dead one with the father ancient of days through the spirit who's clothed faith with certainty honor and blessing glory and praise to the king crowned with power and authority when we are raised with him death is dead love is one christ has conquered and we shall reign with him christ is risen Please join me in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, that we don't have to just celebrate your resurrection one day out of the year, but Father, we can celebrate your resurrection each and every Lord's Day. We thank you, Father, for your willingness to go through all of the suffering and the shame that you went to, that, Father, we might have hope of eternal life because of your great mercy toward us, your payment for our sin upon the cross, and then your victory over death. So we pray, Father, as we gather together today that your name would indeed be honored and glorified, that we would lift up your name, that we would tell of your greatness, that your name would be praised. Pray, Father, that you would speak to us and strengthen us and encourage us to be more faithful servants of you. Pray, Father, that you would be with those who are unable to be with us today and draw near to them. Pray, Father, that uh, you would bring healing to them, that they might be able to join us soon. Pray that you would be with your word as it is opened all around the world today. And pray, Father, that it may bring lost sinners to you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. Maybe seated. Now take the Trinity hymn book and turn to hymn 133. 13304 oh, a thousand tongues to sing my great redeemer's praise trinity hymn book 133 
thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise. The glories of our God and King, the triumphs of His grace. My Master and my God, assist me to proclaim The earth abroad, the honors of thy name. Jesus, a name that charms our fears, that bids our sorrows cease. His music in the sinner's ear, tis life and hell and peace. He breaks the power of reigning sin. He sets the prisoner free. The foulest clean his blood avail for me. He speaks and listening. To his voice, new life the dead receive. Mournful, broken hearts rejoice, the humble believe. For our consecutive scripture reading this morning, please turn to Luke 17. We'll be reading through the whole chapter, Luke 17. We can break this, or it is broken in most of our Bibles, into four sections. first section deals with... Uh, forgiving others, and in order to forgive others, we need to make sure that we are able to humble ourselves just as Christ humbled himself in the forgiving of us, thinking of our many sins against our Lord. We need to be willing to forgive others. Uh, Those of us who were in Sunday school uh, this morning, second section deals with faith and obedience and our duty before the Lord. And obedience requires faith. And how do we get that faith? Well, we need to pray uh, that the Lord would strengthen our faith. Then we see in the third section uh, the account of the healing of the ten lepers and then the only the one returning to Christ. Uh, reminder to us, Matthew Henry points out, um, there is a problem that our world has that is greater than leprosy or any other disease that we could mention Uh, that being the disease of our sin and the great need that we have of a Savior and how so many are unaware of that if they could only see their sin as the lepers saw their disease 
And then how thankful we should be to God that we have one who can heal all of our diseases and our greatest need, but yet we are not as thankful as we should be. And then the last section um, can be divided into the kingdom of God and Christ responds to the Pharisees who were looking for that physical kingdom. It is not a physical kingdom. Um, and then Christ gives further instructions to his disciples. So follow along, Luke 17. Then he said to his disciples, It is in It is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourself. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him, and if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day, and seven times in a day returns to say, I repent, you shall forgive him. And the apostles said to the Lord, Increase our faith. So the Lord said, If you have faith as a mustard seed, you can say to the mulberry tree, Be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea, and it would obey you. And which of you, having a servant plowing or tending sheep, will say to him when he has come in from the field, Come at once and sit down to eat. But will he not say rather to him, Prepare something for my supper, and gird yourself and serve me till I have eaten and drunk, and afterwards you will eat and drink? Does he thank the servant because he did the things that were commanded of him? I think not. So likewise, you, when you have done all these things which you are commanded, say, we are unprofitable servants. We have done what was our duty. Now it happened as he went to Jerusalem that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. Then as he entered a certain village, there he met Ten men who were lepers who stood afar off, and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. So when he saw them, he said to them, Go show yourselves to the priest. And so it was that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed, but where are the nine? Were there not any found who returned to give glory to God except this foreigner? And he said to him, Arise, go your way, your faith has made you well. Now when he was asked by the Pharisees when the kingdom of God would come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God does not come with observation. Nor will they say, see here or see there, for indeed the kingdom of God is within you. Then he said to the disciples, the days will come when you will desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man, and you will not see it. And they will say to you, look here and look there. Do not go after them or follow them, for as the lightning that flashes out of one part under heaven shines to the other part under heaven, so also the Son of Man will be in his day. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected by this generation. 
And as it was in the days of Noah, so it will also be in the days of the Son of Man. They ate, they drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered the ark. And the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, as it was also in the days of Lot, they ate, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they built. But on the day that Lot was went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Even so will it be in the day when the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he who is on a housetop and his goods are in the house, let him not come down to take them away. And likewise, the one who is in the field, let him not turn back. Remember Lot's wife? Whoever seeks to save his life will lose it, and whoever loses his life will preserve it. I tell you, in that night there will be two men in one bed. The one will be taken and the other will be left. Two women will be grinding together. The one will be taken and the other left. Two men will be in the field. The one will be taken and the other left. And they answered and said to him, Where, Lord? So he said to them, Wherever the body is, there the eagles will be gathered together. This past Wednesday night at our prayer meeting, it was probably, you could probably count on one hand how many times at prayer meeting we've not read a letter from somewhere, someplace else. I felt the burden this past Wednesday night not to read another letter, and we had letters to be read, but in light of what we considered last Lord's Day and God's blessing upon three areas in particular, the individual, the family, and the nation, we spent our prayer meeting last Wednesday praying for these three things in light of the promise that I will bless these areas so long as you obey my voice. And so we took that time to pray those things and pray that we would be an obedient people, that we might know the blessings of God upon our individual lives and upon our families and upon our nation. So that's why this morning we will pray the same and we won't pray for another ministry or a work of God someplace else because last Wednesday we didn't do that. But we spent our time praying for these things. And so as we go to prayer, let us pray that we would be an obedient people in every area of our lives, in, in our individual lives, that we would be a holy people, in our families, that we would be families that love God and are obedient to our various roles. And even in our nation, it's righteousness that's exalting a nation. And so let us pray even this morning to that end as well. Let's pray together. Our Father in heaven, how we give you thanks for your word and the direction that your word gives us in every area of our lives. Thank you that you've not left us alone, but that you've instructed us as the people of God how we're to live. Individually, we're to be a people who seek first the kingdom of God. We're to be a people who are quick to confess and forsake our sins, knowing that then we'll receive mercy. As families, Father, we have various responsibilities. Help us as men to lead our families, to protect them, to provide for them. Help us to love our wives, to treasure our wives. 
Help the wife to be that sweet aroma in the home where they will know God's blessing. Help the children in their responsibility to be obedient to mother and father, to honor mother and father. Father, these are responsibilities given to each one of us who are members of families, and we pray that we would be faithful in seeking to fulfill those duties and responsibilities, that in our homes we might know of your blessing, that we might know sweet fellowship with you, and that as families we might rejoice and in delight in our God together. Father, we pray for our nation. It's, it's righteousness that exalts the nation. It's, it's the responsibility of civil government to restrain sin and wickedness and commend that which is good. But we live in a time in which men are calling good that which is evil and our leaders are calling that which is evil good. And, and Father, how we pray that You would raise up leaders in our nation who would have a great fear of God that would lead us in paths of righteousness for Your namesake. And so therefore, Father, we pray that You would forgive us as a nation And we would plead with you to have mercy upon us for future generations. And so, Father, we do pray, considering all these areas, and pray that as the people of God, we would take them seriously. And where there is sin, we would confess it. And where by your grace we're pursuing that which is righteous and good in your sight, that you would give us the grace and the help and the aid of your Spirit to continue to pursue those things to the glory of our God. Father, we would pray this morning that You would be with Your Word as it goes forth, not only from this pulpit, but wherever the Word of God is faithfully proclaimed. May You bless and use it to the end that Your kingdom would be added to by faith and repentance, where the people of God would rightly apply the Word of God to their hearts and lives. And so, Father, meet with us. Meet with Your people wherever they gather. May the Spirit of God be at work among us. And may the Word of God have an effect in every life. And so, Father, we we commit our time to You and pray that in everything that is said and done, You would be honored and glorified. For we ask these things in Your blessed Son's name. Amen. Now before we come to open the Word of God, take your hymns of grace once again and turn to 162. Hymn 162 in the hymns of grace, Wonderful, Merciful Savior. If you'll notice, I'm not a, one who reads music, but we sing the first verse, then we sing the second verse before we sing the chorus. So just be ready for that. 162. <clears throat> Let's stand together as we sing. Wonderful, merciful Savior, precious Redeemer and friend. Who would have thought that a lamb could rescue the soul of men? You 
rescue the soul of men. Counselor, comforter, keeper, spirit we long to embrace. You offer hope when our hearts have hopelessly lost their way. Oh, we've hopelessly lost the way. You are the one that we praise. You are the one we adore. You give the healing and grace. Our hearts always hunger for. Our hearts always hunger for. Almighty Infinite Father, faithful longing your own. Here in our weakness you find us falling before the throne. Oh, we're falling before the throne. You are the one that we praise. You are the one we adore. You give the healing and grace our hearts always hunger for. Oh, our hearts always hunger for. Good, you can be seated. Deuteronomy chapter 28. Deuteronomy chapter 28. Let me just read verse 15 in your hearing this morning. But it shall come about, if you do not obey the Lord your God, to observe to do all His commandments and His statutes, with which I charge you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. Last week, we began looking together at this chapter. It is a chapter in which Moses is telling the children of Israel that once you cross over the Jordan and you enter into the promised land, be obedient children. And if you obey my word, diligently seek to do what I say, I will bless you. And then starting in verse 15, he gives them a warning. If you don't, you will receive my curse. And by that curse, we're not talking about a slap on the wrist. We're not talking about simply a a small discipline, but, but as you read through these verses, it is a sobering, serious warning of misery 
and despair and destruction, things will happen that you would never imagine would happen if you disobey and rebel against my word. And it's interesting, as we mentioned last week, that while he spends 14 verses on the blessings, he spends almost double that on the curses. And why would that be? Why would he spend so much time on the curse and not on the blessing? Wouldn't you far rather hear about blessings than cursing? I would far rather preach about blessing than the curse. But, but God knows these people. And He knows their tendency to rebel and be disobedient to His instruction. And therefore, He spends the greater portion of this passage warning them about what will take place if you disobey. And which one of us would not rather know the blessing of God over the curse of God? Now, now in the Old Covenant, with the children of Israel, much of the blessing and, and the curse would fall upon the material, the physical. For us, who are part of the New Covenant, the blessing is spiritual. It is fellowship with God. It is delighting in Him. It is enjoying your walk with God. When I think of a man that's mentioned there in Genesis chapter 5, his name was Enoch. And when you hear that name, Enoch, what do you think of immediately? Here was a man who walked with God. In Hebrews chapter 11, he's referred to as a man who pleases God. And for you and me to, to know God's blessing upon what we do, to know God's blessing upon our lives individually, to know God's blessing upon our families, to know God's blessing upon our nation, means we ought to be a people who, who walk with God, who please Him. And that's what the children of Israel are told. So this morning we come to take up the sad news that serves as a warning about the curse that will come if they disobeyed. They were to obey all God's commandments, His statutes. And so much like Moses promises blessing, so now he promises a curse if we disobey. So much like last week, the first thing I want you to notice with me is the capacity or the extent of God's curse. Starting there at verse 15 and going through verse 19. But it shall come about if you do not obey the Lord your God to observe all His commandments and His statutes with which I have charged you today that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. Cursed shall, shall you be in the city. 
And cursed shall you be in the country. Cursed shall your bask be your baskets and your kneading bowls. Cursed shall be the offering of the, your body and the produce of your ground. The increase of your herd and the young of your flock. Cursed shall you be when you come in. And cursed shall you be when you go out. Those words sound familiar? Does it have a certain ring to you? I hope it does. Because basically it's the same thing that Moses has said with regard to the blessings. If you obey me, you might recall there in verses 3 through 6, if you obey me, I will bless you when you go out and when you come in. I will, I will bless your herds and your flocks. I will bless your baskets and your kneading bowls. I'll bless you whether you're in the country or whether you're in the city. Now, remember last week we said that this was sort of a, a, a lyric that they would memorize. And perhaps even when they crossed the Jordan and, and half the tribes were to stand on the south side of Mount Ebal and half to stand on the side of the garrison, and, and they were to remember God's commandments, and I wonder if part of that remembering is them repeating what God has said with regard to our obedience and His blessing and our disobedience and His curse. And they would be reminded and remind each other that if we don't obey all God's commandments, then this will affect almost every area of our lives. And so in, in order for them to perhaps easily memorize these things, there's sort of this song that they might sing with regard to the warnings. Cursed shall you be in your cities, and cursed you will be in the country, and cursed shall your baskets, and cursed your knee, and so forth and so on. They would be reminded of God's warning. And verse 15 makes it very clear that you won't escape. You, you won't get away with your disobedience. Curse will come upon you and overtake you. Does that sound familiar? That's the same thing he said about blessings. You obey me, and as you obey my commandments, the blessings will overtake you. It's, it's the same terminology that's used in Exodus chapter 14, when describing the Egyptian chariots as they bore down upon the terrified Israelites. They're going to overtake us. We're trying to flee from them, but they're going to overtake us. And that's the picture Moses gives to the children of Israel. As you obey, my blessings will come and they'll overtake you. But if you disobey, my curse will come and you won't outrun it either. There's no escape from divine justice. So then the details are given to us in verses 20 through 68. And, and as you read through, there, there's this intense longing, I believe on Moses' part, to keep these individuals from falling away and being disobedient. At this point, I believe Moses has that pastoral heart 
And, and he's basically pleading with the people. Take heed to this warning. Believe it. Be careful not to fall away or, or be disobedient. Much, much of the details, and, and I don't know that we're going to read all the way through this, but, but some of the details about the curse are, are repeated. They're reminded again and again of, of, of sad and sobering and, and despairing things. At one point, cry, he cries out, Israel will not prosper if you disobey or forsake Yahweh. So here, as we have this, this calamity that, that will come upon them, if they disobey God, Moses is, is a pastor pleading with his people to be obedient to God's Word because he knows their track record and he knows that all too often they're enticed to begin not to be as diligent in being obedient to God as they ought. And isn't that what we considered in Sunday school this morning? There in Judges chapter 1, you begin to see them take the cities, but then you begin to see little compromises. You begin to see some disobedience that will come in. And Moses is seeking to keep them from that. This, this was not a delightful message to deliver. But out of a heart of love for the people, it must be declared. It must be said. This list is a merciful warning. If you persist in disobedience, then consequences will come. And it's not that Moses is just a grumpy old man. He's coming to the end of his life. They're going to go into the promised land, and he's not allowed to go into the promised land. And so he just, well, he's just a grumpy guy complaining and saying, it. no, he loves these people. It is the fatherly love that says, I'm warning you, be obedient. In the same way that the mother speaking to her children, says to them, don't go near the street. Is she saying that because she just, I'm the boss and what I say goes, so I just, last night I just came up with this idea and to make your life miserable, I'm going to tell you, don't go near the street. Because I know you want to play. So I just want you to be a, no, the mother loves the child. She wants to protect the child, and she gives this warning. Don't go near the street. Otherwise, there may be sad consequences. And that's what we hear Moses doing. Mr. Moeller, in his commentary, says this. The long list reads like a prolonged, agonizing dirge. But it is not simply a category of grim catastrophes. As a good warning device, it serves a distinct educational purpose. Don't let this happen to you. It will affect your life. So there you have the capacity or the extent of the warning. 
But then secondly, notice with me the details. The details. There are some 48 verses. 48 verses that we have Moses giving us this warning. And there are three or two things in particular I want you to notice with me. Again, I, I, I would encourage you to read the warnings. I'm not going to take the time to read all 48 verses. We'll look at a few of them here and there. But there, there are two things I want you to notice with me about this warning. Number one, this judgment is declared. This judgment is declared. God's judgment will be experienced in the lives of these offenders. Not because of their offensive and moral or social actions. This judgment will come upon them for one simple, fundamental reason. They have disobeyed God's Word. This judgment will come upon you because you have disobeyed God's Word. Verse 28 says, The Lord will send upon you curses, confusion, rebuke, all you undertake to do until you are destroyed, until you perish quickly on account of the evil of your deeds, because you have forsaken me. This warning is a kind mercy of God's. He warns them. He warns them because he does not want them to go through this suffering. He doesn't want them to experience this misery. They are about to enter a land where other gods are worshipped. He doesn't want them to begin to worship other gods. The temptation would, be, would come to worship them. But He warns them not to do so. And if you do so, it will cost you greatly. They're entering into a land where there were practices going on in families and with relationships that they might be enticed to do the same thing. And He's warning them, don't do that. Don't fall prey to that. If you do so, there will be consequences. Here's a God who truly loves them and He's showing them mercy. I'm telling you, I am declaring to you, this is what will happen. Don't be surprised. If you're not obedient, don't be surprised when these, war, when these judgments fall upon you. I mean, throughout this chapter even, we see that many of the attributes of God, we, we see God's faithfulness. God is faithful to His Word. In verses 9 and verse 11, He says, As He swore to you, He will do it. He's a good God. Verse 11, the Lord will make you abound in prosperity. He's a sovereign God. He's a sovereign God. Verse 12, the Lord will open for you His storehouse, the heavens. 
It's, it's God who will provide rain for your crops. God, God is a, a faithful God. He, he's a good God. He, he's a sovereign God. And now the warning is, don't you forsake the true God. Because there will be consequences. They are told they cannot deliberately break the covenant made at Sinai and renewed in the plains of Moab. And then imagine somehow they'll get away with their disobedient actions. Don't think so. Do not think that God is like you that He'll forget. Do not think that God is like you that you might give idle threats. God will do what He says. And and He's made it clear that there will be consequences for your disobedience. He makes it clear that disobedience against God's commands will bring a plague, verses 20 to 22, drought, verse 23, invasion, verse 25 to 35. You'll live in exile, 36 to 52. Famine, 53 to 57. Sickness, 58 to 61. Anguish and despair, 62 to 68. He tells them, this is going to be your experience. Plagues, drought, invasion, exile, famine, sickness, anguish. If the people decide not to obey, don't be surprised when these things come upon you. Because I tell you, they will. So we see the judgment is declared Secondly, I think I said I had two, but there's three. Secondly, the judgment is extensive. It's extensive. As you read through this passage, there is no rebellion that is is exempt. There's no exception. He says you're to obey all my commandments and all my statutes. And he doesn't say, unless. If if your disobedience comes because, and, and you give some excuse that somehow God's going to say, okay, that's fine. God says, you if you're not obedient in every area, judgment will come. Consequences will follow. No exception. I remember years ago, I, I, I for a couple, three years, I forget how long, I, I did income taxes. Don't ask me why, well, I know why I did it. I needed some credit for Social Security, to be honest, but, but man, you do an income tax, and there are more exceptions. And I remember when I was doing somebody's, thing, I don't know whose I was doing, but I was doing somebody's income tax, and, and they said to me, well, you know, Doing income taxes is like obeying God's commandments. 
do this, don't do this, do this, don't do this. To which I remember saying, oh, no, no, no. Yes, God's commandments are clear. God's statutes and principles are clear. Here's how you're to live. I found doing taxes was quite complicated because there's an exception for everything. If your income is such and such and such and such, and you have three children and a dog and a cat, no, I'm a little exaggerating, but there were all these exceptions or little things that you try to find for people that may not be as clear. God's not that way. God's directions are clear, and we're to be obedient. You're not going to manipulate God into somehow not punishing or judging you when you're disobedient. God is not a deity that can be manipulated. That's what they wanted. They wanted a God, we all want a God, who may make some exceptions for us. Don't let the sun go down upon your anger. That's a clear direction. But, but perhaps I can be excused from that so long as, as my anger I declare is justified. And so I'll be angry when I want to be angry because of what somebody's done to me. And God says, okay, oh yeah, I didn't realize that. When God says that we're to speak the truth to one another, not allow falsehoods to come out of our mouths, and we think, oh, that's true, that's, that's a commandment, thou shalt not bear false witness. However, if you find yourself in this predicament, then, then telling a lie will be the exception. God's commandments are to we, we're to love one another or even to love our enemies. And we think maybe there's an exception. For the children of Israel, there, there was no exceptions. All covenant breakers will be judged, every single one. No matter what their religious achievements might be, no matter what their social status might be, disobedience will lead to judgment. Someone has said, like a determined hunter, the judgment of God will stalk the offender and will find him even when he sins in secret. Like a determined hunter, the judgment of God will stalk the offender. And so we see the judgment of God is declared we see the judgment of God is all-inclusive, but we also see that it is extensive. It is widespread. It will affect so many areas of your life when you're disobedient. It will affect your physical discomfort. Your physical discomfort. Verse 20, the Lord will send upon you curses, confusion, and rebuke in all you undertake to do until you are destroyed, until you perish quickly on account of the evil of your deeds because you have forsaken me. Verse 27, the Lord will smite you 
with boils of Egypt, with tumors, with scab, with the itch from which you cannot be healed. The Lord will smite you with madness and with blindness and with bewilderment of the heart. There will be physical discomfort. There will be agriculture disasters. Agriculture disasters. Verse 23, The heavens which is over your head shall be bronze, and the earth which is under you iron. The Lord will make the rain of your land powder and dust. In heaven it shall come down on you until you are destroyed. Remember what he promised blessings? He said the rain will come. I'll shower that. Here he says there's going to be drought. There's going to be agriculturally disasters. There's going to be military defeats. Military defeats. Verse 25, the Lord shall cause you to be defeated before your enemies. And you will go out one way against them, but you will flee seven ways before them, and you will be an example of the terror to all the kingdom of the earth. What a contrast. Remember verse 7? The Lord will cause your enemies to rise up against you and to be defeated before you, and they will come out against you one way, and they will flee before you seven ways. See the contrast? What a difference. There's military defeat. There's economic collapse. Verse 29, And you will grope at noon as the blind man gropes in the darkness, and you will not prosper in your ways, but you will only be oppressed and robbed continually with none to save you. There'll be marital failures. Marital failures, verse 30. You shall betroth a wife, but another man will violate her, and you shall build a house, but you will not live in it. You shall plant a vineyard, but you will not use its fruit. There'll be domestic pain. Domestic pain. Verse 32. Your sons and your daughters shall be given to another people while your eyes look and yearn for them continually, but there will be nothing you can do. Verse 41, You shall have sons and daughters, but they will not be yours, for they will go into captivity. There will be social disgraces. Social disgraces. The alien, verse 43, the alien who is among you shall rise above you higher and higher, but you will go down lower and lower. And he shall lend to you, but you will not lend to him. He shall be the head, and you shall be the tail. What a contrast to the blessings that were. Remember the blessing? You'll be the head and. They shall be the tail. Now, they're the head and you're the tail. Social disgraces. 
You'll engage in activities you never dreamed of. If you read down through here, I'm not embarrassed to read it. It's it's a reality. He says one of the things that will happen is you'll you'll be it's such starvation that you will become cannibals and even eat your own children. That happened. That happened. All of these judgments fell upon Israel throughout their history. The sad reality is that once Israel entered into the land across the Jordan, these sobering curses became their real experiences. It happened. And so we see these judgments, first, are declared, second, they're all-inclusive, and third, they are widespread. They'll touch every area of your life. Well, that leads me to my third and final point. The avoidance of God's curse. The avoidance of God's curse. How how will they be kept from experiencing these judgments? Well, we find at the very beginning, He tells them, If you do not obey the Lord your God, so if you obey the Lord your God and observe to do all His commandments and His statutes, then you won't experience these things. These will not be a part of your life. Again, we go back up to verse 1. And it shall be, if you diligently obey the Lord your God, be careful to do all His commandments which I am commanding you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. If you're obedient, blessing. If you're disobedient, the curse, judgment. And they get into the promised land and they're disobedient. And as we've gone through Deuteronomy, and as I sat at my desk, I'm like, what are you people doing? Man, you've been promised such great things. You're going to prosper. Live in houses you didn't build. How many times have I said this? Live in houses you didn't build. Eat from produce that you didn't plant. Drink from wells you didn't dig. This is, God, you just have to be obedient. What is wrong with you people? To quote R.C. Sproul. Since somebody asked him a question once, I forget. I, Vaguely, I don't want to say what the question was because I may get it wrong, but I just remember R.C. saying, What is wrong with you people? And then what? You know what? I look at my own heart. I look at my own life. And I have to confess, Lord... I'm guilty. I'm guilty. So what we see here in the children of Israel is a description of every person without Christ. They're blind, beggars, weak, and in a very sad condition and face dire consequences. It's true of every one of us. 
We've all been disobedient. Romans chapter 3, starting at verse, Romans chapter 1, starting at verse 18, going through chapter 3 and verse 20, Paul gives a portrait of what the natural man truly is. But it can be summed up perhaps with these words there in chapter 3. There is none righteous, no, not one. It's true of every one of us. We, we've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. We, we've all been disobedient. We've all been sinful and rebellious. So what hope is there that we don't experience the curse of God? If we're dependent upon keeping the law as a way in which we can have a relationship with God, we fail miserably. The law points to us our sin. It reminds every one of us that, that we are sinful creatures and rightly deserve the judgment of God. And God's made that clear. Just like He did with the children of Israel when they're getting ready to go into the land, He says to them, disobey judgment. They go into the land, they're disobedient. God tells us the wages of sin is death. It's no shock. When the unconverted man dies, he ought not to be amazed. What do you mean I want to spend eternity in hell? He's been warned. The wages of your Sin is death. In Matthew 25, speaking about the, the return of Christ and, and how to some He'll say, depart from Me. And, and to others He will say, welcome into My kingdom. Not everybody goes to heaven. Not everybody will experience the new heaven and new earth. Not everybody's destiny is to be in the presence of Almighty God. Not everybody's destiny is to be in that place where there's no more pain or suffering. Every tear will be wiped away. The Word of God makes that clear. That contrast is ever before us. So what makes the difference? Only one thing makes the difference. Having someone to take the curse for us. And Jesus Christ became a curse. So He experienced the full wrath of Almighty God. Every last drop in the cup of God's wrath was poured out upon Him for His people. So now Christ taking that curse means that now being united to Him, that curse has been removed. And by faith, a man is reconciled to God. And so the Word of God makes it clear that in this auditorium, in this building right now, there are one 
of two categories of people that we're all part of. Either you're still under the curse or you've been redeemed from the curse through the Lord Jesus Christ and there's no middle ground. And no matter how many good works you perform, no matter how many how moral you may seem to others, apart from union to Jesus Christ, my friend, you might be a good, what we would call a good moral person, but you're still under the curse. One of two. Every single one of us is in one of those two categories. And, 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 and where are you? This morning, where are you? Someone may say, oh, Pastor, I'm here. Come on, man. I'm coming to church. I've listened to you for the last 40 minutes. Then that, no, that won't even work, my friend. Word of God makes it clear that many on that day will say, Lord, Lord, did we not do this? Did we not? And he'll say, depart from me. I don't know you. Because you're still under the curse. And so I ask you this morning, where are you? There's no middle ground. There's no, no purgatory. There's no in-between life where maybe you can do a little better and you can get accepted. The Bible's true. It's appointed unto every man once to die. And then the judgment. So where do we all stand? What is our relationship to God? And then I ask this question for those of us who, by God's grace, can say by faith the curse has been removed. The curse is gone. I'm a child of God. What does that mean? Does that mean I live any way I want to? If I'm a child of God, then I want to walk with God. If, 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 if I am truly a child of God's, then I want to be obedient to God. So therefore, when God gives me direction, I want to be obedient to that direction. That I might know His blessing. That I might know His favor. That I might enjoy a, a, a wonderful, delightful, intimate relationship with my God. If I could, in some way... Have a magic wand that I could wave over you to convince you of that reality. You who are professing Christians, if I could convince you of that reality, live as God has told you to live, you'll know His blessing, you'll have His delight, because you'll have Him. No matter how difficult life may be, you'll have Him. If I could convince you of that, I can die and go to heaven. Because I fear too many professing Christians really don't believe that. And I think too many professing, professing Christians say, I'll still live any way I want. And I'll still do anything I want to do. Because I prayed a prayer. Or I made a decision. There's forgiveness with God. Not so you can live as you want. There's forgiveness with God that He might be feared. 
if I live for Him. And so as we read through these curses, sad, depressing, discouraging, lead you to despair, curses. I trust God will awaken us. First of all, to recognize there's only one way to have the curse removed from my disobedience. That's through Christ. But then secondly, if the curse has been removed, then to live my life in obedience to God's law. Not because... Not not out of wo- out of woke wrote or not out of just it's my duty I've got to do this God says it I'm not to steal God says don't be drunk with wine God says whatever else you want to say I'm going to do it no it's our delight it's our delight I mean. I've been married long enough. I was, I was talking to somebody. They're getting ready to get married for the third time. <laughs> and he said, he said to me that this new, his fiance has never been married. And his words to me was, she's taken a real risk <laughs> on me. She's taken a real risk with me. And I said, my friend, Your marriage can be wonderful and blessed if you just obey God. He's the one that instituted marriage. Just obey God. And I I learned a long time ago that, you know, can I do things for my wife just because I'm supposed to? Yeah. But I do things for her because I delight. I I treasure her. I delight in her. Her happiness is my happiness. So so I say all that to say, at the end of the day, we ought ought not to do things that... I mean, if if you're miserable when you're obeying God, can I say it that way? If you're miserable when you're obeying God, something is not right. You know? Just to put it bluntly. If you're obeying God and you're miserable, something's not right. And I would step back and try to figure out what's not right. What do I got to change? I would far rather be happy. Not happy with regard to I get everything I want. Not happy with regard to there's... I'm not a wealth prosperity guy. I'm just saying enjoy life because you enjoy your God as you walk with Him. Well, those weren't in my notes, but this comes from my heart. Because I want you to be a blessed people. I really do. And it will come in our obedience as the people of God. And it will never come if you never know Christ. Let's pray. Father in heaven, take your word and do a work in hearts and lives that only you can do. As you're pleased to make the word effective, may you be glorified. Where there is sin, help us to confess it. Where there is a need for forgiveness, help us to give it. 
where, where there's areas in our lives that we need to work upon, help us to be diligent. For those who said among us who know you not, may today be the day of salvation. May you open their eyes to the need of a Savior, and they may, may they run to the only one who is able to remove the curse, the Lord Jesus Christ. And in doing that, may you receive the glory. As we ask these things in Christ's name, amen. 580 in closing. Familiar hymn, 580. The chorus sings this way, It is well, it is well with my soul. And I trust we can not only sing this with our lips, but know it from our innermost being. 580 in the Trinity hymn book. Let's stand together as we sing. When peace like